Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has... Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now. It goes without saying, every pitcher's fastball is important, and that's one of the reasons why Valdez gets so many ground balls. Now this one is smoked to left, and it's gone! Adam Duval sent that one into the Crawford boxes in a heartbeat. And Atlanta touches up Valdez again, and the Braves are now out in front 5 to nothing. That, of course, is the voice of the great Dan Schulman as the Atlanta Braves take game one of the World Series. 6-2 over the Houston Astros. It is Blair and Barker, Jeff Blair and Kevin Barker. Well, you want to talk about a buzzkill, Kevin Barker, and I'm, I'm not talking about Charlie Morton's injury. We'll, we'll deal with that in a minute. 12 pitches from Framber Valdez. Jorge Solar, home run in the first swing. Um, Ozzy Albies, there's a tough play by Altuve. Ozzy Albies reaches on an infield hit, steals a base. Austin Riley hits a, an RBI. It's 2 nothing, and then Adam Duval puts the finishing touches on it with, I mean, you talk about a home run getting out in the blink of an eye. I don't know what's faster than a blink of an eye, but whatever it was, that's how long it took Adam Duval's home run to get into the Crawford boxes. I mean, that was it. That was the end of the game. Yeah, well, I don't know about you, but Framber, uh, Framber Valdez, for me, looks scared. That That's the first time I've seen a player in a very long time in a big situation look like he shouldn't have been in that situation, and that's sort of the way it looked. Now, you can tip your hat to Soler, who took a couple of pitches there to get to 2-0, to get the heater right down the middle. You don't miss it. Then you get the the Riley at bat, 3-0, a mm. uh, 24-year-old, first at bat in the World Series, doesn't overswing. You know, it's that... Young guys, I think he hit what did he? He was three for thirteen mm-hmm. in the regular season, three and zero. That's three thirty three, but big situation, heartbeat moving a little faster. You know, your first bat in the World Series for him to be able to quiet, short and quick, level out his swing, not try and do too much, stay in the big part of the field, get that big hit, three and zero, and then the back to back changeups to the ball. That that makes no sense to me whatsoever. When you're for me, when you're having trouble with your best pitch. Why would you throw BP heater? And why would you do it back-to-back pitches? That, that for me, the chances of you mechanically being sound enough to have finish, pronate a changeup, back-to-back pitches like that, and throw it where you want to throw it and have sync to it, just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. And I hate to say that because I tried to play once. That, for me, just Valdez looked scared. Like, I, did you see that, or am I just making that up? And, and what I saw was just the demeanor, his face, uh, the way that when the pitching coach came out, the way Correa came out and talked to him, look, it just looked like sort of that deer in the headlight look. And and for a guy that had stuff like that, just not being able to slow it down enough to to be able to make a decent pitch. Some make great pitches. Ball was moving for me. He had velocity. The breaking ball was breaking. It just, for whatever reason, just couldn't slow it down and make the pitch when he had to. What I found, what really stood out to me about the whole 
that whole inning, that whole situation. You're you're right. I mean, he did. I, I don't think he looked ready. That's just me. And I and again, I never haven't been out there. I'm sh- I'm sure he's got his routine and everything like that. And mm-hmm. I'm not saying that he cut short his routine. I I don't know opening ceremony. I'm I'm just saying he did not look he did not look ready to me. And I understand that his mo is lots of sinking fastballs yep. early, then start working in your curve. Then start working in your change. I mean, he's he's a guy who, and I think what we what we see here is what separates really outstanding ace pitchers from guys who are really good. the The idea that for him to be successful, he thinks that he has to go the first time through the order, largely relying on that sinking fastball, and then try to incorporate the curve. And and I mean, what it. it 87 of the 125 strikeouts he got this year came in his career. Yeah. I, 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 it's the first game of the World Series. It's mm-hmm. not your start on May 25th against pick a team, against the Texas yeah. Rangers in Arlington. That He was just, frankly, it just took too long, I thought, for him to make that adjustment. Then he, he, As soon as Brent Strom came out, then he started throwing the change, then he started throwing the curve. But yeah, see, I don't man, like that, the game, that the, game was over you at that point. You throw your change up to certain guys after you set up your, your other two pitches. When you're having trouble, you know, a lot of guys, when, when they can't find the feel of something, and a sinker's a feel pitch. But but it's 95 96. It's not 92 93. Yeah, correct. Most sinkers right. are 92 93, not 95 96 from a left hander who has the late movement on a sinker that he has. I, but I guess but what I'm I, saying, what well, I guess what I'm saying, Kevin, when you get off to a start like that, 12 pitches, you're down 2 0. I'm sorry. At some point, it's got to kick in that whatever I'm doing, it ain't working. And I got to change something here. Yeah, I guess maybe I'm being a little too hard on because Charlie Morton on the on the flip side of that looked like he was overthrowing. You, the fastball was 98. We saw more 98s than you saw he had his the 95, 96. Looked he like he a, was overthrowing that. He had his pitching coach visit in the first inning. His first inning was not Absolutely. was not the, free and easy the, the, by any stretch. The breaking ball looked to me like he was cutting that off. Looked like he wasn't mechanically finishing his pitches that way. Now again, the you could say the the lights can't get any brighter. Everybody's watching you. And certain guys handle that in certain different ways, and it takes a little while for these guys. What do we always say about pitchers, uh, especially good ones? you got to get them early before they find the, the release point and the mechanics and they get in a groove that way. It's just, you know, the, the flip, one side of it, Morton looked, just looked to me like he was trying mm-hmm. too hard. Valdez, for me, looked like he's scared. I, I, don't, I hate to say it that way because I, I tried to play once, and, and I never, ever would use that word. It just looked to me like he had deer in the headlights. And – if you noticed in his last start, the first start of the the, the series before this, he looked exactly the same way. Yeah. It just seems like that that first time through, he just doesn't have confidence in his pitches. He he doesn't have conviction in where he wants it to go. And is that mechanics? Is that not warming up the right way? Is that not throwing enough pitches before any game? Or is that just the moment's too big? Could be. Ah. I, I will say this. If you look at the first big decision each manager had to make. Well, the first big decision for Brian Snitker was putting Jorge Soler in the leadoff spot. Yeah. I, w- I would have to say it worked out. Genius. <laughs> I would have to say that worked out. You know, we talked about, do you stick with Eddie Rosario? The thinking seemed to be that he would do that. That was certainly the thinking during the workout day. You suggested, and other people suggested, maybe you lead off with Dansby Swanson. Mm-hmm. I, you know that that I think I don't I don't think he's done an, an awful lot during the regular season, but that had to present itself as a possibility. But no, he he kind of went with the the idea that this guy was my leadoff hitter for most of the season when we got in 
to the playoffs. He's recovered from COVID now. I'm running him out there. So decision number one goes Snitker's way. Now, I wonder about Dusty's decision to back off Luis Garcia till game three. Now he's going going with Jose Urquidy tonight, who hasn't, what, he's going to be in eight days rest. Mm -hmm. And he is an extreme fly ball pitcher. Yeah. Why it doesn't set up well for Houston? I don't think. Yeah, I guess. I look. You you know, you could look at that a a bunch of a bunch of different ways. It's you you on the flip side and and the the Astros side of it. Altuve and Bregman were zero for nine with five Ks and left six runners on. And I said this to you before before this thing started because of who I was picking. And I said the one guy you need to look at is Altuve. Getting on base, his on base percentage in the last series was like somewhere around two fifteen. Mm-hmm. That's just not good enough nope. Be- because what that does is you're behind him now. Now Brantley's not going to do that because Brantley's got that sweet swing. He's staying in the big part of the field. He can take what the pitcher gives him because he's not a home run hitter. He, I don't think he thinks he's in scoring position when he walks to the plate. Might be a little bit of a table setter. Alex Bregman. On the flip side of that, he thinks I think he does. He thinks when he walks to the plate that he's in scoring position and with nobody on base, maybe tries too hard. Maybe his swing gets too big. Maybe he's a little out and around. Maybe he's trying to hit to the park. And that's my point was if Altuve doesn't start getting on base a little bit more, but, you know, gets in scoring position, that will help shorten up Bregman a little bit, have him thinking more right center. I was in whenever whenever I struggled. I, I was that guy that would take good pitches and swing at bad ones. Sort of what Bregman's doing, and how do you get out of that? You, you got to sometimes have your the the backs of your teammates. They get on base, they simplify it. They now just think, okay, I don't have to do too much. I stay in the big part of the field. I try and get a good pitch to hit. I'm not going to overthink it. I'm just going to try and throw barrel at baseball. And sometimes that'll get you out a little bit of a slump. And this is what I this is what I do think. Those two guys, if they continue to go over nine and five punches, this ain't going to last long. Of course, the Braves didn't come out of this win unscathed. Uh, the whole world, sports world, knows by now that Charlie Morton got three outs with, if not a full fracture of his tibia, uh, of his fibula, at least the beginning of a fracture, and he's done for the rest of the rest of the postseason. Um, I mean, I don't even know where to begin to start with that. You're right; it was not a great first inning uh, for for Charlie Morton but he's got the lead. He gets hit on the leg with a 100, with a ball that was clocked at 102.4 miles an hour off Lourdes, uh, off of Yuli Gurriel. Mm-hmm. The initial reaction was, it looked to me like a guy who got hit in the leg by a ball that was hit really hard and was uncomfortable. Yeah. He, he, but he sits in the dugout, and then he comes out and pitches. Adrenaline. A, a, maybe adrenaline. Brian Snitker, th- this is a funny back and forth. Brian Snitker, the... the the Braves manager was asked after the game about what Charlie Morton did. Lance, play it, please. Snit, what can you say about Charlie, what this means to the team, and the fact that he was able to go out there and get three more outs after breaking a leg? Well, no, it's... it's um, you know, it, it, it's... it's. I don't think he got three outs, did he? He did? Two more not Oh, oh, I, I, yeah, I was thinking the next inning. Sorry, um, but no, he was in there, and they did the X-rays, and he said, you know, just and we told Freddie, we told Austin that, um, uh, you know, you guys are going to have to make sure you're more aggressive or whatever. 
Um, <clears throat> and, you know, he wanted to keep going, you know, because he was down in the tunnel and he was thrown against the wall and it said, you know, it's just kind of hurts more when I run. I feel good when I throw. And then, you know, obviously it, it didn't. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, just the fact that he wanted to keep going. I mean, he was, they were x-raying him and that's Charlie. I mean, he, he wants to be on this stage and God bless him. It's, it's, I hate it for him. Um, really hate it for him. I mean, I say it's, he's such a great person, great person and teammate. And, um, I just, I do, I do. I really hate it for him because I know he was really looking forward to this run with us. And, um, so we'll move on. That is uh, Brian Snitker talking about talking about Charlie Morton and uh, Travis Darno said afterwards he said a couple of things. One that when Charlie Morton left the mound, he said, "I'm sorry." Yeah. <laughs> he apologized to his teammates because he got a, he had a yeah. fractured leg. But also, Travis Darno mentioned he was asked about the timing of it. He said, "I haven't talked to Charlie yet, but he said I'm willing to bet that Charlie looked down in the bullpen and he said AJ Minter was." like going at a thousand miles an hour trying to get ready. And he said, my guess is Charlie probably figured, you know, I got to, got to give this guy a little more time. I mean, this is one of those things that one of those legends that happens in sports and in 30 years down the road, we're going to hear that not only did Charlie Morton have a fractured leg, but that his arm was broken as well. Mm. And that it's the legend is going to grow and grow and grow, but all things kidding. First of all, Barker is someone who played the game. (sighs) Can you imagine somebody throwing, what was it, would have been 16 pitchers, however many pitchers, and striking out Jose Altuve with a leg that, as I said, if it wasn't completely fractured, was certainly on the verge of being fractured. Yeah, I don't know, especially with a position that you have to use your lower half as much as a pitcher does. For all the Wacos. Exactly right. And that that's it's, that's pretty special. And, and just him saying that he's sorry. Well, he knows the situation. He knows that game four, they were trying to figure out who they were going to start and how much they were going to have to use their bullpen. Now game five, they're going to have to do the exact same thing. Like how, that's that's basically the gist of yeah. that. A guy that knows the situation, knows what kind of team they have, knows that they got a really good chance of winning a World Series. They have a better chance of winning it with him starting. And now that puts a lot of pressure and yeah, it's, you know, these, these guys care a lot. Like they, they want to do their part. And I've been there, not at, not at a stage like that, but I, I've been to where it's, you know, you feel bad if you're not doing your job to the fullest. And when you get hurt like that, and it's, it's a fluke thing. You know, he didn't do it on purpose. It didn't, it's nothing that he did. It was out of his control, but now, now what, now what are the Braves doing game four? Now what are they doing game five? That that's the big situation. We were, we were talking about how the advantage was so much with the Braves and now it is too, because home field advantage is flipped. You take mm-hmm. one out of the two in Houston, you got the three at home now, but now do you really have home field advantage? Because well, now you're trying to figure out how to cover two games. I mean, I, I, I guess, I guess you used Drew Smiley. That seemed to be the original thinking. Uh, a, a that left-hander. would be game four. Maybe. What are you doing game five? There you go. I'm sure they're going to call somebody up, and I'm assuming it'll be a pitcher, but won't be as good as Charlie Morton. So what do you do now? Like, that's that's the thing now that puts a ton of pressure on your strength, which is your bullpen. Now you and, be, and now you, those more of those lefties, are they're going to be seen by the Astros, and the more you see them, better chance you got to hit them. Now you do have that, and that that is a great point about the Braves having to, having to empty their bullpen last Absolutely. night. Absolutely. You know, you know that. 
some veteran hitters over there, and now they've seen they've seen Smith, they've seen Mintry, they've seen Matzik. Yeah, they've seen them in the video, but now they've seen them. Alvarez had a really side. good swing off of Matzik. He cer- he certainly yeah. did. Uh, but I, I'm I'm just trying to walk through this. So if you got Max Freed going in game two tonight, then you've got off day Ian Anderson. I mean, you can't go with Freed on short. No, I would. I, I would assume you would do. Uh, you you would do an opener Maybe. like Chavez, and then you would probably. Uh, it's like you said. You're you're probably going with Drew Smiley is what they were talking that, about. That that would be my choice cho- probably for Game Four. But what do you do for Game Five? Now nah, you. <laughs> you know what you may do for Game Five. You may hold back one of those relievers and have AJ Minter start. Now you could just say you win the first four and you don't have to worry about Game Five. But well, I was going to ask you this, Kev. You won Game One now. Yeah. Do you think about saving Max Freed? Absolutely not. For, don't, don't for the get, game in Atlanta. You worry about the day, that right. day you win that game. You don't get cued against the best offense in baseball. Like you had them. Uh, two big t- name guys in that offense are really struggling in Bregman Altuve. Like they're, they got a lot of all or nothing in their swing now. You, you don't think if I see that, the Braves don't see that yeah. and they don't know that. So you, why, if you got them on the ropes, which they do a little bit and now, I'm, I'm sure if I were on that team, I'd have a little guessing now. Like, I would have a little – Braves are for real. Like, they – you got to make really good pitches against them. They're not going to chase, it looks like. You know, they struck out a few times last night. But the guys that matter on that team serve notice that you're going to have to make quality pitches and you're going to have to do it early in counts. Can Urquidy do that tonight? Can Urquidy keep it on the ground a little bit? Can he get some weak contact in the air against a team who hits a bunch of homers? It's a lot to ask. Now, this puts a lot more pressure on, you know, the 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 way they run the bases, which, I, look, I took great pride when I played to run the bases. The base running in the playoffs is atrocious. Jock, I don't know what Jock Peterson was Actually, doing. He's, he's got, got two Fre- guys Freddie, right in front Freddie of him. Freddie he's got two guys right in front Freddie of him. Freddie Freeman's coming to the plate, and he will be he would have a runner on second base, and you start pointing because Travis Darno's running at, at, at third base, and you think you're doing him a favor by getting in a rundown on a routine ground ball when the defense is back at shortstop. It's awful. And then the Guriel play, when, when you're down by four runs in the eighth inning with two outs, look, you, you run as hard as you can. When you notice that the outfielder has the ball as quickly as you notice that the outfielder had the ball, Stop. don't take any chances. Yeah. Take the big turn. Stop halfway, run as hard as you can back to first base. Now it's two outs with a runner on first. Maybe somebody runs into one. Maybe because you're a really good team with two outs. I just the base running, I will absolutely make you scratch your head when it comes to two of the best teams in baseball. The uh Braves also played some really good defense early in the game. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Houston had an error, Gurriel had an error that they got caught in a the, the the one play where Correa was, I, I don't think they had a shot at second base with Altuve. I think no. Correa was playing too far away. It wasn't you the charge the ball. Exactly, you got it. You got to charge the ball. But the one time the Braves' defense really did them in was when Dansby Swanson in the fourth inning committed an error, brought in the first Houston run, left runners on the corners, one out. Right. Dusty's got a decision to make. He's got his catcher, Martin Maldonado. We all know about Martin Maldonado, what his strengths and what his weaknesses are. He's got Martin Maldonado coming up. Dusty was asked after the game about about um, the pinch hit from Maldonado in that situation. And uh, do we have that that clip? This is what Dusty said. Dusty Baker said when he was asked about 
letting Martin Maldonado hit. Dusty, in the fourth inning when you had runners on the corners after Swanson had bobbled that ball, did you consider hitting Diaz or Marwin for Maldonado? No, that's too early. No, that's, that's, that's way too early in the fourth inning, especially when you only have two catchers and especially when they have a whole, you know, bullpen full of left-handers. No, that was that was that's far too early. I mean, I mean, you do that if you're panicking, and I don't, I don't know how to panic. That was uh, that was dusty, and and this is what we talked about a little bit. How we're seeing, I think, in this series, we're going to see two managers that are going to be a little more play it a little more the way we're used to seeing dudes manage a game than what we've seen at different points in the playoffs. Yeah. And people like Kevin Cash and and Craig Council and and. Uh, Dave Roberts and, and Alex Cora. Uh, look, I I didn't. Uh, that was kind of the last gasp for the Braves. I I didn't think twice when Dusty sent Maldonado up. I I agree with Dusty given the composition of his roster. It's way too early. Mm. I don't think, knowing who the team is, you are the Houston Astros. You've overcome bigger deficits yeah, yeah. than that. To me, the, the, that question misses the point, and Maldonado did strike out in three pitches. Yep. Uh, <clears throat> foul tip. Not a good hitter. It's not a good hitter. Absolutely not. But Bark, Jose Altuve, first pitch, pop-up. That's not even close to the plate. That, that's the we, we talked about that. That, that, weird, bat, that that sticks out to me more than Maldonado. Uh, yeah, well, see, I, see I'd, lo- I'd love to, uh, for Dusty to be proactive there. When Framber Valdez comes out of the game, gloves are off. Now, uh, Maldonado's in the game to get Framber Valdez through it. Put the fingers down, do it with confidence, control the running game. You got the lead, then you turn it over, some fuego out of the bullpen. You could do it with a lesser game-calling catcher, blocker, thrower, that kind of thing. Once that's over, you, you're behind in the game. You're worrying about three innings from then. Why, why would do that? Why, why would you do that? that? That, for me, is a little bit of – that's not panic for me. That's – I think that's sometimes being a little bit smarter and thinking it through a little bit more and going, hey, I got an opportunity right here to to maybe throw a little spark towards our team, and then you bring a bad hitter to the plate, and it's just a non-competitive bat, and then you look dead again. And then and then the on, the guy on the on-deck circle, now if the Jose Altuve was smoking hot, okay, I'm buying into that. Maybe Maldonado comes up and gets a blue pit, and you got this guy coming up, Altuve, who is zoning up, getting his pitch to hit, barreling up everything. When he does, he's creating backspin, and you're liking that, Altuve. Well, I don't like him. What is he? He's like eight for his last 46 or something. You know, a little for a lot. I, that's Sometimes I just think you you. it's not about – sending a message to your team. It's about, okay, I got an opportunity here to maybe create a little spark. I'm not going to worry about three innings from now. I got an opportunity right in front of me. I got a really bad hitter at the plate. I got a a hitter on the on-deck circle who is struggling. He said it out loud. He said it to everybody. I don't feel right. I'm changing bats at the plate. Hmm. Maybe you do something a little different. And I know Dusty. I played for Dusty. I know how Dusty is. He's a, you know, if anybody's going to be Zen-like, it's Dusty. But wouldn't you think that would be the time early in a game? No, I, you're I, behind. You, you're flat. Your starting pitcher was atrocious. Maybe you got an awful hitter at the plate. You got one on the on deck circle who's who's not hitting anything right now. That's maybe I think if there's any time, it would be right there. I mean, I guess the what I ask myself is who gives me a better chance, Martin Maldonado. What is more important to me at that point, Martin Maldonado's defense in the lineup? Or Castro's offense, which, which which might be mitigated, which might be mitigated by 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 the Braves' use of the bullpen. 
I, I can see either way. I just, I, I have, a, I have a hard time sort of laying that, looking back at a decision that wasn't made in the fourth yeah, inning. Yeah, I ask you, you've been around a long being time. Being the turning you, you, point. You've seen a lot of managers. Good managers manage differently when they're losing than when they're winning. Yeah. When that, you're losing, you're at home. But Park you, Dusty, you can see your team right in front of you. It looks a little flat. Look, I don't know anything about the Astros behind closed doors. Dusty's but you can managing tell what a flat team. team looks Dusty's like. Dusty's managing a team. Not any good. Dusty's managing a team that scored eight runs in an inning in the ALCS. Not against the Braves. I, like I said, I can see I can see both sides of the argument. Oh, you maybe lost. <laughs> you lost. Well, maybe you're right. Maybe you gotta, maybe you gotta push the envelope. Sometimes, occasionally, why are you keeping him in the game? Why why is Maldonado staying in the game? Because it just sounded to me like he felt comfortable him against a left-handed pitcher. He ain't hitting 200 against any pitcher. So what are you seeing from Altuve? Because you mentioned it was an atrocious pitch. Yeah, he, that 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 he went after. He's got three strikeouts. You're right. He's not he's not getting in base and. Well, I mean, I'll tell you, if, if I'm Dusty Baker right now, I got Kyle Tucker and I got Guriel hitting, what, sixth and seventh in my lineup. Mm-hmm. I might be looking at doing what you've talked about. I may flip Guriel and Bregman to try to give me a different look here. I don't know how you feel about I, it. I would have done that a, a while ago, but it's uh, Dusty do, Dusty didn't work that way. He's, he's got a different heartbeat than everybody else does. And I guess it doesn't matter if Altuve's he, not getting on base. He just said he ain't taking out a catcher. It ain't hitting 200. Because he doesn't, he ain't panicking. You think he's going to do that? I mean, that's the, those are those are the, the those seven guys are the guys that are driving the bus. And this time of the year, do you really want to be flirting around with that? It, it would be for me, Guriel. The bat's coming off the, the barrel, good. Like you can tell, he got an idea of what he's doing at the plate. Does Bregman look like that? Does Altuve look like that? Now Altuve's a little different animal because he, he, you're probably not moving him around. But Bregman. Yeah, Bregman looks lost to me. I just uh, like anytime. I'll tell you, this is just me when I watch those those two hitters. I think anytime Altuve could step out of that and hit a homer, I don't see. I, don't, I just don't have that feeling with Bregman. I, that's why I said I think Bregman has to have traffic on the bases. He has to have somebody in front of him that the situation would dictate to him simplify this thing, short and quick. Get your pitch. Don't overthink it. Stay long and through it, right? Short to it, long through it, that kind of thing. Stay to right center. Now it looks to me like when he comes up, nobody on base. I got to get sexy here. I got to go back leg city. I got to create something and and score runs that way. And when he's trying to do that right now, he's just not capable of doing it. So I I just think, for me, the way the Braves are looking, the way their pitching's looking, the way those three lefties out of the pen are looking – those two guys continue to be the way they're being now with the 0 for 9, 5 case and six guys left on base. I don't want to say it's going to be a short series, but it ain't going to go seven. It would be a, well, hearing Dusty talk about not panicking and, and viewing what happened in the fourth inning. I guess I could see where you would you would say that changing that lineup might be akin to panicking, but to me that's a little to me it's a little different when you're making a decision based on a body of evidence over basically the whole postseason in the case of Bregman. I would think and 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 it's not like you're putting somebody new in the lineup. You're taking Guriel, 
who everybody knows is is a better hitter than Bregman right now, and you're putting him up higher in the order. Would you have to sell that and Bregman? Would you have to sell that to Bregman? I don't know. W- would it create an issue with the team? It shouldn't. I mean, Gurriel's been with the team for four years. He's been part of that infield. I, this is just made, to me. That's this, not to me a lineup. Here's the thing: to me, a lineup change in the World Series, regardless of how established your lineup is, isn't necessarily a sign of panic. I think that's different than making a call in a game. I do think, I do think that if he had pinch hit for Maldonado, you could view it as a, it could be taken as a sign of Brian, panic. Brian Snicker moved the NLCS MVP from the leadoff spot to the five spot. Just because it makes better sense for his team against the lefty, different, makes better sense for his team. Different though. Who would you rather have that? Who Who would you rather have more at bats, Gurriel or Bregman tonight? But it's simple. It's, it's different with the Braves because you aren't moving around guys who have won a couple of, or one world won a World Series with your team, have been there for years. Are, have played more games together as an infield than oh. any other infield in baseball. That's mm. different. If you're moving, not- you're moving a guy you acquired. Let me, let me finish. You're moving two guys you acquired at the trade deadline. That's different than moving a lineup full of franchise players. But uh, but I'm I'm saying if I'm Dusty, I, I have no problem if he does it today. So you're saying it's more about feelings than it is about winning. No, I'm 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 saying you can you can make the move. It's game two of the World Series. I think you can make that move uh, without it being seen as, as as panicking. But what I am saying is, I don't think you can compare Brian Snitker moving two guys who may not even be with the team next year and were free agent acquisitions. That's different. I that's different than than dealing with guys who've been part of your organization for five or six years and have won World Series. I put it this way: if Brian Snitker had started Rosario in the leadoff spot last night and hit Soler wherever. We wouldn't have even noticed. We would have said, well, you know, okay, that's the guy's the NLCS. That's not, it's not, no, but let me finish. But that's not a news story. If Alec Bregman gets moved down, that's a talking point. I, I'm just saying, I, I can see it from both sides. I'm not, I, I'm not cut and dried in any way, in, in any of the two ways here. You've got to win game two. It's as simple as that. But I, I'm just saying I think that there's a difference between making a change with an order that is established as the Astros versus the Braves. I, I just think you got two of your main guys who are struggling both at the same time in the biggest games of the season. You have a guy that's not. You could break break up one of those two guys, take a little pressure off one of them, drop them down the order. Now you're cooking. But it ain't going to happen. We, we both know that. You uh, have probably realized by now that Henry Aaron's name is all over this uh, this World Series. It's a talking point. The series will shift to Atlanta, the Atlanta Braves. Henry Aaron, greatest player in Braves history, greatest players in baseball history, uh, was a longtime Braves executive, mentor, friend to Dusty Baker, the guy who gave Brian Snitker, the Braves manager, his first job. There's a lot of Henry Aaron in this series. Howard Bryant is a senior writer at ESPN. He wrote the book on Henry Aaron. Literally, he's author of The Last Hero, A Life of Henry Aaron. And Howard Bryant joins us next. You're listening to Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, The Fan.
We'll have game two of the World Series tonight on Sports. Must win. I'm, I'm calling. There, boy, there you go. How about it? Right oh, to it. I didn't let you right finish, did I? Tell you what. If they lose, go down 2 nothing, Astros. And they go wis- on the, on the road. And by wisdom like that anywhere. Absolutely not. Hot take. 6-2. The Atlanta Braves took the first game of the World Series. We had an interview with Cito Gaston a couple of days ago. We did an interview with Cito Gaston a couple of days ago, and we were talking about Henry Aaron's legacy insofar as it relates to this World Series. And, uh, of course, Henry Aaron, Cito Gaston said, Henry Aaron's the reason I got into coaching. Henry Aaron is the reason that Brian Snitker got into coaching and managing. And, of course, Henry Aaron was very much a mentor to Dusty Baker, uh, the manager of the Houston Astros. And there's that famous shot of Dusty Baker on deck when Henry Aaron hits, oh. that, hits that home run. And, of course, you've also got the fact that the Braves are in the World Series and that games three, four, and five are going to be in Atlanta, coupled with the fact that we lost uh, Henry earlier this year. So, considering the fact that Major League Baseball moved the All-Star game out of Georgia this year because of the voting rights situation, which would have been a grand celebration of Henry Aaron's legacy and, and, and career, it seems to me, it seems to me that this is, it's entirely fitting that we're spending a great deal of time talking about Henry Aaron as this series goes on. Howard Bryant is senior writer at ESPN. He's author of The Last Hero, A Life of Henry Aaron. Howard Bryant joins us on Blair and Barker. Howard, thank you so much for joining us today, man. This, this world, I, is there a World Series that has been in your wheelhouse any more than this one? Like, I, I can't think of it. In my wheelhouse, it's actually weird because this World Series feels so, it's one of the ones that feels the most foreign to me. It's like, depending on how, it's twofold. In terms of the, the matchup itself, totally foreign. It's like the National League West World Series, right? I mean, <laughs> yes. they, you know, it was like the two teams in the National League West that were nowhere near the West Coast that happened to be in the division along with Cincinnati, right? And then at the same time, when you're dealing with the people involved, it feels extremely personal because of all of the connections. I mean, Henry Aaron really is so much a part of the web of the game. Like, there's a web of life. And when you cover baseball, I don't know if it's the same if you cover hockey or basketball or some of the other sports because I've only covered you know, really team sports. I've only been on a beat for football and baseball. So I don't know what it's like covering the NHL or the NBA, but baseball, because of its speed and because of its downtime and, you know, because there's so much in the minor league ranks where people overlap and such, there's such a web to this sport. And, you know, let's not forget Ron Washington, who's a third base coach over Mm -hmm. in Atlanta as well. And so, you know, there are all of these different connections to this series. And it feels, it almost feels like, I don't even know what the right phrase for it is, but it almost feels like it's a reunion of sorts. Like the game is moving on, life moves on, it's a young person's world. But this is some, you know, it's like a a moment where the old guys sort of get to um, 
to connect one more time. And especially, and there's a symmetry there having lost Henry this year as well. And not just Henry, you know, you also saw it. You also saw it in the Astros series with Bob Watson passing away. You saw it when the, with the Braves and the Dodgers with mm-hmm. Darren Sutton and Tommy Lasorda. And all of it was coming full circle. It really has been sort of a dusty postseason in a lot of ways. If, if the Astros had played the Giants, you've got dusty. Right. If the Astros had played if the Astros had played the Dodgers, you've got dusty. If the Astros played the Braves, you had dusty. You know, you had the White Sox and the Astros playing in Tony La Russa and Dusty. Phenomenal stat there that to start that playoff series, Dusty and Tony La Russa had played, had managed against each other 208 times and they were 104 and 104. Mm-hmm. You know, and Tony was Dusty's manager, I think, in 86. In Dusty's yeah. last year, Tony was the manager. So all in Oakland. So all of these different things, it feels like a, in some ways, like a reunion. Howard, I'm going to apologize in advance. This is going to sound like a cheap question. Who do you think Hank would be, or who do you think Henry would be cheering for? Because he's got Dusty here, and of course he's got he's got the Braves, and he is the Braves. Yeah, I think he would be of totally. I think he would feel like he's playing with house money. Mm-hmm. Um, because if there's one thing about Henry that we know, Henry was so obviously he was brave. And obviously he had put his roots into that city and into that franchise above all others and clearly would like to see them win. On the other hand, you know, Dusty made a promise to, you know, I'm sorry, Henry made a promise to Dusty's mother, Christine, that he'd always take care of him, you know, look out for him as a big leaguer and the whole thing. And Dusty was very, very much aware of the double standards that a black manager would go through, and especially that what Dusty has gone through, and that this this idea that Dusty Baker is not a Hall of Fame manager unless he wins the World Series. There's this construct that now seems to have taken over that you have to win the World Series in order to be, con- even if you have 2,000 wins. And if you've been to the playoffs all these different times and your teams always win, whatever, that you have to win the World Series to reach the Hall of Fame. And that's Dusty's goal. And so I think the Braves are going to be fine. But Dusty needs this um, in terms of who actually needs this more. In terms of Brian Snicker, absolutely same thing. You know, a lot of respect for a lifer, a lot of respect for somebody who has put, you know, the hard miles into the game. But if there's a person on that field who needs this the most, it's unquestionably Dusty Baker. When I was a young man and I was in my backyard, I, I tried to act like King Griffey Jr., the stance straight up and down, the wiggle, the hat turned around backwards. Do you see anything that Dusty's taken from Henry on an everyday basis, the way he goes about his life? Um, no, Dusty's always been his own guy. I mean, Henry has always been – the beacon, you know, I think that if there's one thing that Dusty took from knowing Henry and from being in that situation in Atlanta and being in the game, as long as they've been in the game, you know, one quick thing to remember is that, you know, in order for him to get his pension, um, the Braves had signed the Braves signed Satchel Page. He never got on the field, but he was in uniform in 1968. So when Dusty was a rookie, you had Dusty, Satchel, Page, and Henry Aaron in the same dugout. And so, so I think Dusty, the one thing that Dusty does take from that is a very clear respect of that heritage, of that lineage, to be linked to 
the very first days of integrated black baseball and segregated black baseball. I mean, and that Henry was the patriarch and then Frank Robinson passed. And now Dusty is the patriarch of black baseball that, you know, he and I had dinner during the Red Sox series. So they came into Boston we had dinner and, um, and he was telling me about how all the players and, you know, will come over, especially the, the young black players, Mookie Betts and Jackie Bradley Jr. And those guys, when they would come to bat, the first thing they did was look in the, you know, in the Astros dugout and give a nod to Dusty just as a, as a measure of respect. And, and, you know, Freddie Freeman would do the same thing. Everybody, you know, when you're in the game that long, 53 years, everyone's got some type of connection to you. And I think that's where, you know, sort of it was the same thing with Henry. There was a sort of regal nature, not in the same category, obviously, but respect, you know, respect for the miles traveled. Howard, I don't want you to give away any, any you know, any, any confidences or anything, but at, at any point, do you think Dusty, after taking on the Astros job, and I think we all know one of the reasons Dusty got the job is uh, I think the Astros, the Astros needed to have somebody somebody could like. I mean, they just did. And I'm not taking anything away from Dusty as a manager at, at all because I'm, uh, I'm, you know, I'm not one of those people that, that doesn't think Dusty, should, Dusty won't be in the Hall of Fame. But what I'm saying is, how do you think when he looks back on things, he'll view the job he did with this Astros team, given everything that had gone on with the cheating and, and given the fact that given the fact that I'm sure he's aware that, um, you know, there are a lot of people who looked at this hiring and said, well, they're, they're bringing somebody in because you know, Dusty can shoulder a lot of stuff and, and Dusty can be a, a buffer in some ways well, between I his mean, players and the on, nonsense. Jeff, I mean, well, you know, Jeff, I mean, you and I have known each other for a pretty long time, right? Yeah. Um, there's no reason to dance around this. I told Dusty, what are you doing? I was like, this isn't your problem. You know, I mean, the way this game has treated you, the way this game has treated you, why are you taking the weight for something that's not yours? Hmm. You know, you win 95 games, you win 97 games, and then Washington fires you. Why are you letting this game humiliate you? You know, why are you the one sitting up there at that press conference in Houston answering all these questions? You weren't even there. It's not yours. And there was a piece of this when it went down where I was like, is this a, I don't know, is this a, a, a blemish on your character? I don't, mm-hmm. mean, I don't mean blemish. I just mean, like, why are you doing this? You're better than this. Right. And it was me talking out of protection for him. And Dusty was essentially saying, I want to win the World Series, man. <laughs> I have unfinished business with this sport. I need to win this. And he's like, I want to win this. And this is an opportunity for me. And I don't like the way things went down. And to answer the question, Dusty is extremely confident. I don't know if I've ever met anybody more confident in his abilities to do things, to turn things around, to move people, to, to, to be um, impactful. So he didn't see it that way, even though I was afraid for him and I was upset for him because he was the one answering questions about A.J. Hinch and Carlos Beltran in the trash cans. And I'm like, why are they using you? Why are you Mm. letting them use you? On the other hand, I was like, you got a pretty damn good team. (laughs) If you do, if you go into the World Series is what you really want, you got a pretty damn good shot. Um, 
So maybe it is a win-win. And I think the thing that, I think that's how he saw it. And he loves the challenge. And as we all know, since this, you know, we cover sports and we've been in sports for, you know, all of the majority of our professional careers. Once it's inside of you, you can't get rid of it. Dusty's a baseball lifer. He's a baseball man. He's not going to walk away if he feels like he's got something to offer. Where do you think Dusty's grown the most as a manager? Oh, well, I mean, I think that you know, clearly the, you know, he has known this game inside and out for a very long time. And I think that he's always been a terrific manager in terms of knowing what people can do. Um, I think that, I think that the thing that I respect most about him, and I don't know if it's growth because growth suggests that, you know, it was a deficiency and I don't know if it really was. I think maybe it's just time and maturity and such is that Dusty has adapted really, really well to balancing being yourself and surviving in this modern game. You know, Dusty's one of the dinosaurs. I mean, he's, He's one of the guys where when we were coming up, depending on if you're of a, if you're of a certain age, the manager was the face of the front office. The manager is not the face of the front office in, in Major League Baseball anymore. So, you know, you do what you're told. And I think Dusty had really, you know, you know is this the sport that I really want to be a part of? And I think he's done an amazing job blending the old, the new, the future, and still maintaining himself that that you, you walk into that Astros clubhouse, you talk to Michael Brantley or you talk to, you know, you talk to Correa, you talk to Altuve, you know, that they found respect for him because let's face it, he wasn't their guy either. Right. I mean, it wasn't right. like the players chose Dusty. So he had to convince them that we can all win together. So I think that that, that blending is is something that a lot of guys can't necessarily you know or haven't necessarily done particularly well with because it's not your game anymore if you're a manager in this sport it's not yours and you probably feel it's probably the most maybe with the nba because the players control that game so much it's probably one of the most emasculating managerial jobs or coaching jobs in sports the front office tells you everything in terms of what to do now Howard, really good of you to join us. We appreciate your time. You know that. Thanks so much, and be well. Oh, my pleasure. Take care, guys. Take care. It's Howard Bryant, senior writer at ESPN. He is author of The Last Hero, A Life of Henry Aaron. Uh, you can follow Howard on Twitter at hbryant42. And uh, that was really well said about about, about Dusty. You know, that, that, uh, and, and I think a lot of people in the game had the same view Howard did. Why are you doing this? Like, it's not your... I love what Howard said. It's not your mess to clean up. Why are you the guy up there answering questions that should be asked of Jeff Luno and, and AJ Hanchen? You know, one of the reasons is because Dusty wants to win the World Series. I, I sometimes I think that uh, sometimes when, when you when you deal with 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 people like Dusty, you know, even I'm getting to throw Tony Larusa in there. Sometimes I think we overlook the fact that these guys are competitors. Like people are going, why the hell would yeah. Tony LaRusso want to go? Well, Tony LaRusso is managing a pretty damn good team. Absolutely. He's got shot at another World Series ring. Sure does. So, yeah, these, you know, they, maybe there's this thing, better betterment of the game and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, you got you got to be a competitor. And I'll tell you what, based on what I've seen, 
if I'm running a major league team and my team is in a is is on the cusp of contending, I've seen enough from Dusty Baker these last two years. I'd bring Dusty Baker in to manage my team tonight. Yeah, it have to be the right team. It have I, to be the right team. I would I would say it make it easier for a team to bring him in if he wins the World Series. Like he if yeah, he stamps it, fair, put, puts fair. the period on the end of the season and and takes the Astros to to the ultimate goal, which is the World Series. I uh, look, I, I just don't want Dusty to leave anything on the table. That, that that's the little thing. It's like wh- why would you pinch hit your catcher in the fourth inning? Well, it makes sense because the our our starting pitcher came out. That's my point. Is it's just little things. Don't leave it on the table. Like don't don't leave anything to chance that where if you do lose this thing you're sitting on your porch like he'll be doing wherever he's living and and rocking back and forth going hey nobody, should I have done that nobody I don't, nobody will look back on that pinch hit decision or saying, lack of decision and I'm say not, that it cost him. I'm serious. not saying that's that's, that, that's will be it, but there'll be other decisions. There there'll be hard decisions that he'll have to make. You know it's like it's like mixing up the lineup. That's a tough decision, but is it best for your team? Yeah, if this decision comes down to Martin Maldonado hitting versus Marwin Gonzalez or Ledmus Diaz, well, you got a good, then, you then got, it will have been the worst good, world. It would have been the worst world bench. series of all time. You're losing. Anyhow, we won't be talking about it after tonight. Game two of the World Series goes tonight, eight o'clock, eight oh seven, eight ten, whatever is the uh, first pitch. Four hours and six minutes yesterday. How long? 